If you like this podcast, you're going to really like McClanahan Academy. Head over to McClanahanAcademy.com. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll. It's free of charge. You get a free class, 10 Myths of American History. When you do enroll, I've got nearly 20 classes there available for purchase. Go to McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll today and get a real history education. The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 625. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to be back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Let people know you're thinking locally and acting locally. Send me those show requests. Share the podcast around on social media. Get involved in the program. That keeps the audience growing organically. And of course, you let your friends and colleagues and everyone else, your enemies, know that you think this podcast is great, and we're going to reach more people that way. All right, let's talk about the topic of the day, and this is actually brought up um, in a Liberty Classroom Q&A. If you're not a member of Liberty Classroom, you should be a member there, too. Go to Learn True, T-R-U-E, LearnTrueHistory.com. That's my affiliate link for Tom Woods Liberty Classroom, and of course, I teach there with Tom and a lot of other great instructors, but we have a QA, and um, a and I'm on those about every three months. And last night, a question was brought up about Disney. What do I think about Disney? And Tom prefaced it by saying, uh, we've got Judge Knapp talking about Disney. He was on a uh, radio program. I think he said he's on a radio program talking about the situation in Disney. But we also have a piece that was published at LewRockwell.com, republished at LewRockwell.com, with Judge Knapp's opinion on the position. Now, first some things about the situation with Disney. I'll say this, and, and Knapp gets into this, and I'm going to read this piece because I agree with some of this, and then some other things I disagree slightly with, with Judge Knapp on this. And you know, he is, of course, an excellent legal scholar, someone that you should always read and listen to. He's like Jonathan Turley in that way. You know, I don't always agree with Jonathan Turley, but you should always read Jonathan Turley because he's right a lot of the time. In fact, most of the time, and same thing with, with Judge Knapp. But the Disney situation is difficult. First of all, um, as Judge Knapp says, you know, Americans are addicted to corporations. And states, most importantly, are addicted to corporations. We have a situation in America where states are always competing with other states to try to bring in businesses. And to do that, they will sell out the states with tax incentives and other things to try to lure corporations or you know, companies, whatever it is, to those particular states so that they can say they created jobs and they have things going on, the economy is growing in those states. And in some ways, of course, you can't blame them for this. But the corporations are the ones who are mostly benefiting from this. You know, We saw that um, a little while back, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez worked very hard to block Amazon from putting a distribution center, I think it was, in New York. They didn't like that. They didn't want that there. And so it, they didn't show up. Now, the, the, some were very upset about this because this would have brought jobs and other things to that particular district. But Cortez was opposed to it for labor reasons. She didn't like the fact that Amazon didn't have labor unions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it was a very left-wing reason to block the Amazon distribution center. But as uh, just as a more matter of principle, the fact that states and cities will give away so much to these corporations creates an unequal environment for the regular taxpayers of a particular state or region. 
And when these businesses through corporate welfare get these advantages, um, that creates, again, an unequal environment for those businesses. So the states are contributing to the problem of corporate growth in that they're trying to ensure that corporations set up shop there. You know, Delaware has been a great example of this for years. They have one of the lowest uh, you know, corporate tax rates, and uh, they make it very easy to incorporate in that state. So everyone seems like they incorporate in Delaware because of the liabilities and other things that come out of incorporating in Delaware. So um, that's, that's an issue, right? And states are, again, under the federal model, perfectly free to do any of this. But the question is, is it moral? Should they be doing these things or not? And so um, we have a situation in Florida where a corporation has opposed the state government's a state government legislation. And of course, this is the uh, very controversial bill that, um, re- that prohibits teachers from talking about gender to students. I think it's under you know seven years old or you know under eight years old. You can't. So I mean, it's just a very small number of students. But um, it's under fourth grade, I believe. But the fact is, Disney has come out now, after the bill had already passed, and said they oppose this legislation. And, of course, uh, this has created, stirred quite a conflict, not just in the state of Florida, but also throughout the United States because of what Florida did in response to that. Florida simply said, fine, if you're going to oppose our bill and if you're going to make this much noise about it, we're just going to revoke your special status. Now, Disney, in the 1960s, Uh, just before Walt Disney died, had a special status given to it in the state of Florida. Um, And this special status was that they were basically an independent, an independent government. They could do just about anything they wanted in this particular part of Florida. It was 25,000 acres or so, as, as Judge Knapp points out. So they could do anything they wanted there. And Disney's designed for this. And by the way, if you are a McClanahan Academy subscriber... I've got a new class there, 25 People Who Changed America, and Walt Disney is in that list. So Disney's goal in this part of Florida was to create an experimental city. A lot of people don't realize this, but you know Disney was very interested in future tech. He was interested in um, utopianism. And of course, if you watch you know, Disney programs, you'll see that. You know, it's kind of a provincial utopianism. But he was interested in creating an ideal city in Florida. The point was to create a city that had its own economy, its own laws, its own tax structure, its own, um, I mean, everything. Its own police force, fire department, everything would go into the city. Its own transportation network. It was going to be the Disney city. And Epcot, the Epcot Center, which we all know looks like a big golf ball, that Epcot Center was part of it. So if you look at the film or the story Tomorrowland, that was Disney. That was the whole idea, to make a city that looked like Tomorrowland. And it was going to have its own social structure, everything. Now Disney himself, Walt Disney, is often regarded as a pretty conservative person. Um, and he was, and you know, people like uh, Ray uh, Bradbury, who was a very good friend of Disney, who's come out completely against cancel, came out completely against cancel culture and political correctness and wokeism. You know, Bradbury is now dead, but uh, he and Disney, I think, were on the same page as this. But now the corporation, of course, has come out and said, "Well, you know, we're going to have 50% of our characters be LGBTQ, and we're going to have." Um, an environment that is promoting these kind of things. And of course, we're going to oppose this particular bill that the state of Florida passed. 
Now, the state of Florida is per certainly within its purview to do this. Education is the primary responsibility of the states and, of course, local governments. And so Florida can do this. Now, uh, we could get into a discussion about state education, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, but Florida certainly can do this. And Disney, as a corporation, if we treat corporations as people, which is where I would disagree with Judge Knapp here, if we treat corporations as people, which we should not do, then corporations certainly have a right to say what they want about the bill. But because they have a special tax-exempt status, Florida then, I believe, certainly has a right to say, well, you, you, uh, you have this tax-exempt status, we're going to revoke that. For any reason, they can do it. Now, this has created some issues. There's a, actually a piece uh, today, as I'm recording this, entitled Disney Strikes Back. And it's about, uh, this is at the Daily Mail, and um, it's uh, a, a piece about this $2 billion bond issue. So the, the residents of uh, uh, Osceola and Orange Counties will be liable to pay this bond if uh, this special government tax-exempt status is revoked. And so this is going to create a situation where residents of those counties are going to have to uh, uh, pony up over $2,000 a year extra in taxes. Now, uh, Disney is the one who's responsible for this $2 billion bond because they were expanding the theme park. Now, in my estimation, that would mean Disney should have to pay for that $2 billion bond, not the citizens of Orange and Osceola counties. The other thing, of course, the citizens of these counties are worried about is they're going to lose their benefits. They're going to lose their, their annual, free annual pass to Disney, right? And this is a big deal. We're going to lose that. Um, so, I mean, it's kind of laughable with that uh, because this is a special benefit. But regardless, there are some financial issues to be worked out. Now, this doesn't take place. Their tax-exempt status is not revoked until... 2023. I want to say it's June 2023. So there's an entire year to work out all of the all these details before all of this takes place. And of course, we have a situation where these people are going to be required to either pay this money back or whatever's going to happen, whatever their benefits, how these people are going to be absorbed into these counties. Are they going to still have their job? And these are serious considerations. But I want to focus instead, again, on Judge Knapp's Piece, the problem with Disney in Florida. He published this, I think, uh, April 27th. He says, The core of the problems with Disney in Florida is the American addiction to corporatism. This is the use of government power for the benefit of the government's patrons. Stated differently, it is a symbiotic relationship between the government and a private business that gives government officials corporate largesse and the private business a near monopoly. It is capturing the power of the state to increase private wealth at the expense of others. So, I mean, yes, he's talking about corporate welfare here. And Americans really are addicted to corporate welfare. Uh, we often talk about welfare in terms of government programs that would help poor people. But there's another side of welfare, and that is corporate welfare. And so if you look at a purely free economy, there would be neither. There would, ne there would not be corporate welfare. There would not be individual welfare. None of that would exist. At least from the central government. Now, the issue here, of course, is states. What Napolitano is going to do in this is basically pull out federalism and apply the 14th Amendment, which is my issue with this. Now, legally, if you're thinking about the 14th Amendment and what case law has done with the 14th, this is where Napolitano is standing on pretty firm ground. But this was not the intent of the 14th Amendment. It wasn't designed 
to do exactly what he's saying the 14th Amendment would do here. Because he's essentially taken in a corporationist position. The corporation has a right to free speech based on the Bill of Rights, which would be the, the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, based on a 14th Amendment understanding of incorporation. So that Bill of Rights applies to the states. Now, you could say that the state of Florida has its own constitution that, re- that ensures that citizens have freedom of speech, and it does. There's a Bill of Rights in the Florida state constitution. But the states have much more power than what the general government has here. And I don't really like using an incorporationist position at any time because it's an illegal interpretation of the 14th Amendment and a distortion of original intent. So we should never use it. We should never play into the enemy's hands. And that's exactly what you're doing. If you take this position with Florida and you say, well, Disney has a First Amendment right to free speech as a corporation. You have just bought all of the case law That's so bad and egregious. You can't do that. Don't do that. You're creating a whole other problem. You're opening up a whole other can of worms here that you shouldn't. As conservatives or even libertarians, we should be looking at the 14th Amendment as a distortion of the original intent, and we should not be talking about anything that's going to nationalize power in a way that would distort federalism. Federalism is key to all of this. Now, I do agree with them that corporate welfare is an issue, and we shouldn't be addicted to corporate welfare, nor should we be addicted to individual welfare. We should not be using taxpayer dollars to bail anybody out. He says, Corporatism is immoral because it bribes the state to give government power to a patron. It is economically counterproductive because it stifles competition. It is unconstitutional because it violates equal protection and, in the floor dispute with Disney, free speech. So here we go. Right? So he's using a 14th Amendment argument against the state of Florida, even though he doesn't agree with what was what was going on there in this special tax exempt status, he's using it against Florida with the free speech element to it. He says, in the 1960s when Walt Disney came upon 25,000 acres of land outside Orlando, Florida for this theme park, he crafted a deal with the state that gave his company extraordinary control over the land in return for building the park. For Florida, it was a win in terms of tourism dollars and employment opportunities. For Disney, it was a win in terms of relief from local regulatory constraints and certain state and local taxes. And again, this allowed Disney, Walt Disney, to create his Tomorrowland. This is exactly what he wanted to do. And he is a pioneer in American theme park construction. He already had Disneyland in California to this point. But when you think about theme parks, you got to think Disney. All the other theme parks, whether it's Six Flags or King's Dominion or all these other, you know, Bush Gardens, all of this stuff is going to explode because of Walt Disney and what Disney was able to do and envision for entertainment in America. Last week, after much public dispute between Disney personnel and Florida officials over a new Florida statute prohibiting government school teachers from teaching about sexual orientation and gender identity to five, six, and seven-year-olds, Florida enacted legislation abrogating the contract between itself and Disney. It appears that the abrogating legislation was in retaliation for Disney's public opposition to the school curriculum legislation. So that is going to be the issue where I think Disney is going to take this. Well, okay, you can can get rid of the special status anytime you want, but you can't do it because of what we're saying. So they're going to look at intent. Was the intent to strike back... As Disney, this piece says Disney strikes back, was the intent to strike back against Disney 
because of our opposition to your legislation. If that's the case, you're violating our free speech rights. And of course, they're going to try to appeal this in court, and we'll see what happens. We'll see if the state of, I mean, whether they appeal to federal court or state court. That's going to be the interesting part of this. Could they make a case that it is a violation of the contract clause, right? There's a contract. And so Disney should, I mean, they might argue, well, you, vi- you broke this contract unilaterally. This was not something you can do. And of course, this goes all the way back to the Marshall Supreme Court, the, the Dartmouth College case. Are they going to make a are they going to make a case based on that? Well, Disney's violated a contract. There's the contract clause of the Constitution. Either way, I think Disney's going to take a very nationalist stance here. And this is where I would caution anyone, libertarian, conservative, otherwise. And we know the progressives are always going to do this. But if you're on the right, don't buy into the leftist use of centralized power. Don't do it because you're going to lose nine times out of ten in doing this. So he says, can the government constitutionally favor one business over others that are similarly situated by granting relief from legal obligations to the one and not to the others? Can the government constitutionally punish a corporation for the exercise of free speech by its officers and employees? The short answer to both questions is no. Here's the backstory. So here we go. The 14th Amendment was written to compel the states to treat similarly situated persons and entities in a similar manner. Now, the 14th Amendment was designed to ensure that slaves were not denied uh, civil rights by the states. And essentially, if you look at the 14th Amendment and you go back to the original intent and you go back to what people were saying about it, this was the civil rights legislation of 1866 put into an amendment. So the idea was to ensure that slaves could own property, former slaves could own property, and sue in court. That was it. I mean, that was the intent of the 14th Amendment. Now, what courts have done is expanded that beyond what the original intent was. So what Napolitano is saying here is actually incorrect. It wanted to ensure that former slaves could own property and sue in court, things that they were being denied, supposedly, in the South. So that was the point. Nothing more. And when there was some discussion in Congress about expanding this out to other things, Congress quickly beat these things back. No, no, no. That's not what this is going to do. We're not, we're not going to agree to that. This is what it's going to do. It's going to ensure former slaves can own property and sue in court. Two very important things, right? So if you can't own property, you are a second-class citizen. If you can't sue in court, you're a second-class citizen. So it's to ensure that now newly freed slaves were citizens of the United States, which is the first part of this, and they have all the rights, privileges, and immunities as citizens of the several states, right? So you have to be able to sue in court and own property. These were things that were deemed to be essential for uh, former slaves to have these rights, and so they would not be treated as second-class citizens. I mean, it's pretty clear what's going on here, particularly if you go and read the debates. Raul Berger's government by judiciary is a great place to start with that. But Napolitano continues, by isolating Disney and giving it special privileges that other theme parks do not receive, Florida has been in violation of the Amendment's Equal Protection Clause. It has also put its thumb on the scales of free enterprise by making it easier and cheaper for Disney to operate its theme park than is the case for its competition. But of course, the question is, and he, this is actually might prove his point, there's not really any other major competition in Florida uh, at all. You know, there's no other major theme parks like that in Florida. So maybe that's the, I mean, he's saying this is created a monopoly in Florida. There's no other competition there. There should be, uh, you know, the, uh, 
some other company coming down there, Bush Gardens or whatever it is, and having a big theme park there. And uh, people won't go to that because they're going to go to Disney because Disney can do all these things because they don't have to pay any taxes, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know. Maybe that's the case. Uh, maybe that. Uh, maybe it's not. I mean, Disney has had this monopoly on Orlando for a long time. I don't see any other company really thinking they're going to peel that away regardless of Disney's tax-exempt status. I mean, do you think... Uh, you know, Bush, uh, the company that owns Bush Gardens, is going to stick a theme park right next to uh, to Disneyland or Disney World. I'm sorry, and they're going to try to make money out of it. Of course not. But you know, Disney doesn't have a theme park in Atlanta, but there's a Six Flags Great Adventure, right? So, uh, Disney doesn't have a theme park in Williamsburg, but there's a Bush Gardens there, right? So, I mean, this is the thing that you have. Do those is, is Disney being blocked from those areas? No, I mean companies are going to look for where they can actually have a monopoly. They're going to try to monopolize the area. This is this is the whole point of starting a business. You don't want any competition. Now, if the state gets involved and makes it, uh, you know, a, an environment where you can have competition, that's one thing. And this is where, of course, state interests in these businesses certainly is is problematic. Uh, whenever the government favors one competitor over another. Economic and constitutional issues arise. Economically, the consumer suffers by having fewer choices and, in this case, by having a behemoth with little competition. The absence of meaningful competition enables Disney to impose a take-it-or-leave-it price structure and product offering upon its customers. Well, again, uh, now, I'll say this. What Disney can do in their parks is monopolize these things. You know, you have to pay like $20 for a hamburger. Right, because it has special tax exempt status and it controls the entire government of the area. But is this no different than say you go to a ballpark, you go to watch a baseball game, and they charge you, you know, six dollars for a bottle of water because you can't bring in outside food, they don't let you do that, or I mean very limited, and so you go into the park and you have to pay their exorbitant prices for their concessions. Or you go to the movies, right? You're not supposed to bring outside food into the movies. Uh, of course, people sneak stuff in all the time. But, you know, if you want to go to the movies, you want to get their popcorn. It's, you know, it's expensive to get their popcorn, their sodas. You end up spending a tremendous amount of money on the concessions. Is it no different than that? You're there for the entertainment to watch the movie, to watch the ball game. You go to Disney, you get hungry, you're going to buy a hamburger, and they're going to charge whatever they want for it. Is this going to change anything? See, I think his argument's a little weak here because this is essentially what happens with any business. Uh, whether they have tax-exempt status or not. As well, by enabling Disney to pay lower taxes, Florida has shifted Disney's tax burden to other taxpayers, thereby treating them in a manner that is inconsistent with equal protection. I'm not making an economic argument in favor of equal regulation. That's what the Equal Protection Clause arguably requires. This is an economic argument in favor of no regulation, and hence no corporatism. In that environment, corporation, co I'm sorry, I'm sorry, competition will flourish. Products and services will be improved, the costs to consumers will be reduced, and the choices of consumers will be enhanced. Well, I agree with all of that. So setting up this special status for Disney should have never happened in the first place. I agree with all of this. Um, would you have had, though, two theme parks right here? I, I don't know. I mean, would there be much competition right now if Disney didn't have the special tax exempt status? Probably not. Florida State Constitution requires the state to operate a school system this has produced in Florida and elsewhere a grossly expensive, highly efficient, and intellectually dangerous educational program. Government schools have guaranteed customers, the students, guaranteed income from the taxpayers, and no effective competition. That is a recipe for failure. So, sort of. I mean, you know, you've got a situation where uh, you do have 
some competition, right? You have private schools, you know, if you have charter schools, some other things, homeschooling, there is some competition, but you do have an monopoly on the income because taxpayer money goes into the state schools. It's also a recipe for ideological indoctrination. I agree with that. Like, government is here to help you, or Lincoln was the greatest president, or all patrons support the nation's wars, and today you can be any gender you want or no gender, right? So, I mean, this is all true. I, I'm, I'm not denying that... Um, Government schools are a real problem in American society. They are, 100%. And if there was you know, free education, and when I say free, not, not cost, but free education, uh, we would have, if there was real choice, we would have other things. But this is where homeschooling comes into play. Again, private schooling, if you can afford it. Um, what South Carolina did, which I think should be a model other states do, if you want to homeschool or send your kids to private school, then you can have tax relief. You can get you can get some tax relief for doing that, and that's the model that states should follow if they want to free these things up. Well, um, you want to homeschool your kids? Well, then you don't pay as much in state taxes as far as you know if you're for your um, for your schools, right? Or for your local school board, you just don't pay these things because you're homeschooling or you're sending your kids to private school. You get that tax break. You're you're putting the money somewhere else. Now the argument against that is well then. Uh, school is going to lose money because rich people then are going to not pay their taxes and they're going to put their rich people have to be so they're rich people with money then are double taxed, which is uh, something we should not be doing. Now, Florida has an illicit contract with Disney that is impaired for constitutional pur- unconstitutional purposes, punishing speech. The First Amendment nullifies the government's power to regulate, reward, or punish speech. It presumes that the listener, not the government, can decide what speech to accept and what to reject. Moreover, the amendment's purpose is to encourage open, wide, robust, and even caustic debate about the policies and personnel of the government. But again, you're taking into incorporation as position here. Now, if you want to argue Florida's constitution, okay, but not the 14th Amendment. Don't go down that road. It is dangerous, and we will lose all the time on this. Government interference with contracts for punitive purposes and government punishment of speech because of its content are always unconstitutional. All this happened because of corporatism. Corporatism was born shortly after the 13 colonies seceded from Great Britain and began to charter corporations, often of those who had loaned money to the colonies to fight the revolution. At the time, corporations were viewed as agents of the state, which gave them freedom from competition. One of the purposes of the Commerce Clause in the Constitution is to prevent states from impairing commerce via monopolies and tariffs. It would take 100 years before the Supreme Court dropped its a recipient of privileges theory of corporations and viewed corporations as voluntary aggregations of investors, the latter recognizing that corporations have only the rights and powers that their incorporations gave them. In the case of Florida and Disney, the symbiotic relationship between the two is dangerous because Disney exercises the power of the state without its constitutional restraints, and Florida politicians expect public pliancy and political contributions from Disney as a matter of course. Add to all this the government school's violation of the parent-child relationship partially remedied by the new legislation by intruding into an area of moral learning that the Supreme Court has left to parents and you have the constitutional monstrosity that is the offspring of government that recognizes no restraints. Thomas Jefferson, who wrote that our rights come from God, and James Madison, who wrote that individuals are sovereign, would not recognize government in America today. It is force without reason. It is power without restraint and it views our natural rights as privileges, privileges that, can deni- that it can deny us. Why do we permit this? Now, again, we're leaving out the whole federalism aspect of this. You know, I'm not so certain Jefferson and Madison will be opposed to state action. And when I say state, I'm talking about Virginia action that they agreed with, right? And so this is a federal 
when I say federal, federalism issue, not a national issue. It's a state issue, and we should look at it that way. And if we don't, we are working into the progressives' hands, and we should be very careful about that. Don't push something that's pro-incorporation. It is dangerous long-term for people who value real uh, federalism and real American government. All right. I'll see you tomorrow on The Brian McClanahan Show. See you then.